0: Welcome to the realm of magic and mystery, classic horror and sci-fi. You are now entering the House of the Unusual podcast with your hosts, Eddie and Joe.
1: Hey, Joe. Eddie, my
0: man, what's up?
1: How's How are it going?
0: You? What's everything? Oh, I'm, I'm loving it, man. Ohio's got some some nice weather going on, not too hot. It almost feels like a... a you know, beginning of October here.
1: You know, we've had so much rain in the last two days in northern Jersey. It's been crazy, like torrential downpours.
0: Oh, you're making um, me jealous, man. All it's been is, is is hot here. So tonight's finally been, like I said, it feels like, oh, like October right now. It's, it's kind of nice. I'm actually sitting in my breezeway with the windows open, a nice cup of coffee, and, uh, you know, ready for some good conversation, man. will What's new? What's well, what's on uh, the mind the thing, tonight?
1: What's new is uh, very interesting. Today I got, uh, actually not today, yesterday I got the copy of my brand new B9 robot from Lost in Space. They've oh, made this company. That's, that's making awesome. them, And I got one that's called the Retro Robot. And what they did is they gave a coloration of it where it's blue and red. Um, I bought it because, you know, growing up, uh, the Lost in Space robot was definitely my favorite. And they're putting out a second mod- edition. Actually, they did put it out a few months ago. I just didn't know about it, which <laughs> is it crazy. And the second one is called the antimatter Robot, which is, concern- you know, there was an episode called the antimatter Man, and they based it on that. Now, that robot itself cost me a little bit over $110, which I was surprised because, you know the robot itself is the same thing as the the other one that cost me forty nine, but it's just the color, the color thing they did to it, the the scheme that makes it a, a higher collectible. Now I don't know if you remember back in nineteen ninety seven, Threadmasters made a a robot of Lost in Space. It was, I think, done a little better than this one, but this one has like ten phrases. I actually uploaded on the YouTube channel um, a part there where I just play around with the robot and show all the phrases, uh, you know, just to show people what you know what it does. Now, Joe, you know what I was thinking that this is an interesting conversation we could even have today. It's uh, the reason I had this love for robot is in the early 1970s. Lost in Space was on, you know, every day around 4 p.m., 5 p.m. It played on TV, and I always used to watch it and you know, I was so excited for the fact that I was a young kid, you know, and who, who, what kid didn't want to have their own robot and laser pistol, you know? Oh, absolutely. So, so at the time we, we, we had a lot, you know, like you said, uh, at the time we had a lot of people who, who, you know, were into space and robots and UFOs and stuff. And and you could see that in um, a lot of the Johnson Smith catalogs of the time had uh, like, for example, there was a, I, I think Aurora made it, if I'm correct, or, Uh, You know, I could be wrong if it was Aurora who made it, but there was a kit that consisted of the tricorder, the phaser gun, and the communicator from Star Trek. And you would always see that in the John Smith catalog. Not in the catalog itself, but when you saw ads in comic books, it would always be like in the center page of the top. And I ordered it, you know, I put it together and stuff. And the phaser pistol was always like super cool. Uh, I always wanted the Lost in Space pistol because somehow I liked you know, Lost in Space more than I did Star Trek. Ironically, as I grew up and you know became and got married, there was a, a season that I, I watched every single Star Trek on a daily basis for like a whole year and a half. Nice, and, nice. you know, I became because growing up as a kid, who wants to see Star Trek? You know, Star Trek is more for the mature audience. Um, but yeah, um, that was
0: some pretty pretty almost. I mean, they did have their their fun stuff, but that was more of like a harder science fiction, whereas you know lost in space was more you know ge- kind of geared toward kids and younger adults and more just kind of like you know laid back good time type of show
1: yeah it was geared but but you know what it, it wasn't a bad show it was an awesome show and i and i really think all. that i mean here here's, here's the thing that's funny when you look at and we always talk about collectibles and you know base this podcast is even based on the mail order uh uh, of the 1970s, said comic book mail order and stuff. Back in the 70s, I think that with the shows on television, such as Lost in Space, then you had Buck Rogers in the in the 21st century, which I fell in love with the girl that played in, in the show there. Um, I forget her name now, which is interesting. But anyway, I got to meet her and I, and I was very excited about meeting, I, I think it was Moran. Her last name was something like Moran or something like that and the show itself along with you know space 1999 which actually came on much later though but there was a big lure towards ufo's and ufo sightings and and you know all the stuff things and and i think this this took a lot a lot of companies saw this this kind of resurgence of the ufo thing like back in the 40s when the ufo craze went crazy or It's not forties, late fifties, and sixties. The same thing was started to happen in the seventies. In the seventies, people were going back to the original Aurora monsters, and you know the UFO thing was big. And and let me tell you, I used to love when I was talking about UFOs and how to build a flying saucer. And I even purchased a book one time that it was entitled "How to Build a Flying Saucer" when everybody else failed. A very hard out of print book that uh, I I got it as an adult, but it was available, you know, in the early. 80s, I guess, early 70s or late 70s. Um, you know, Joe, what is your feeling with all these UFOs? And and the reason I'm, gonna, I'm about to ask you this is because I recently read in Popular Mechanics, I haven't really looked much into it, to be honest with you, because it just happened a few weeks ago. And it's really brand new news. The government finally came out and said, and this is the funny thing, before it was called UFOs, they have a new term for it. It's like UAPs, which is a un unidentified aerial phenomenon or something like that. And they came and they said that they actually have a group of people. There is a segment in the government that's actually, you know, studying unidentified flying objects. Now, it kind of shocked me because I think there was a statement that someone said, too, that the United States actually has... Uh, vehicles of known origins or of, of not of earthly origin like they say. which I guess that could be a way that they want to stick it in there to create more conspiracy theories and stuff but I don't know what is your take on this Joe you want to tell me a little
0: yeah and and I know that they've changed it from, from UFO to uh, UA, UAP unidentified aerial phenomenon and it seems that that they, the reason why they changed it is is to kind of um, get around people making freedom of information requests because a lot of people, when they were making their requests, were asking about UFOs and UFOs. So the, the, the FOIA were coming back to them saying there's nothing that we have on UFOs because in actuality the government changed it to, to UAP. So when people caught that on, which I believe it was Hillary Clinton who, who um, made the term public UAP, so more people through FOIA started asking for sightings of unidentified aerial phenomena. But, you know, my, my whole take on this goes back to goes back to the nineties. Um, when I was kind of like in, when I was in high school and, and right when I graduated, I, I wasn't really big into UFOs or anything like that. I, I kind of kept an open mind. I remember having this two, um, two cassette, uh, uh set it was a vhs uh, cassettes and it was on ufos and all that and, and it talked about these cases and it, it was interesting you know whatever and i kind of really put like almost i like put it on the back burner i didn't really care too much about it uh now fast forward into about the mid 2000s i believe it was about 2000 would be 12 or so no actually earlier i'm sorry about 2010 i had my first I guess you could call it a UFO sighting. I seen some objects in the sky while I was actually at work uh, in the afternoon, and they were moving like nothing I've I've ever seen before. Now I I spent nine years in the military, and I was around a lot of different uh, airplanes and helicopters, and I've never seen anything in the sky move like this. And I I don't know any to this day. I don't know of anything that could move the way I seen these objects moving. So again, I you know I thought it was a pretty cool sighting, you know nothing you know big I, I still watch some of the shows that were on you know History Channel or these other channels, you know maybe read some articles here or there, but what really kind of changed my mind was about two thousand I believe it was fifteen um, I was actually coming back from a friend's house. We were just playing our uh, weekly game of Dungeons and Dragons, and it was during the evening, the sun was kind of you know, setting a little bit. It was still bright out. And uh I was I was driving home on the interstate and over um a bypass I, there was a there was a um a hotel area and I actually seen two low um they almost looked like they were hovering or either traveling very slowly, black triangles. And they had to have been only maybe five, six hundred feet high. And I, I could see, you know, they were just all black. They were By each angle, they had a look like a a dark orange light. And I actually almost wrecked my truck trying to turn around to go back and try to get a video of them. So when I, I turned around, I was, you know, they were gone. And this was maybe within 10 seconds. They were just completely gone. And from where I had parked my car, you could see the open sky for just miles and miles. And they were nowhere around so i thought man you know that's that's really interesting you know i'm not saying these are from another world or something you know they could possibly be military aircraft or something else because they kind of you know resemble the stealth aircraft you know the b52 stealth on the way the uh the black outer shell was because i had seen you know the, the stealth bombers up close when i was in the military so uh when i went home i said i was looking online for you know, what could these black triangles be? And I was doing doing some uh, investigative work on the internet. So I had come across MUFON. So I, I put the case into MUFON. I put my, my previous case, I sent it into MUFON and a field investigator contacted me, you know, about the, both of my cases. So I talked to her for a while, real nice lady, ended up being friends with her. And I was telling her a little bit, little bit about myself, how I'm in law enforcement and everything as my my day job, and she said, you know, you should give Mufon a shot, you know, since you have some investigative experience. She, she said, you know, it might be right up your alley. She goes, and you seem like you could have a good objective view of, you know, what people see and what you see. So I said, yeah, you know, not a problem. I'll look into it, and you know, I was able to get my my certification to become a MUFON field investigator. So over my my three years of being in MUFON investigating reports, I have over a 100 different sightings. Now, during my my course of my three years in, in MUFON, I was actually, actually at work with two other guys, both former military guys like myself. We've seen some Unidentified objects in the sky. One night when we were just uh, we were clearing up a, uh, a call, and we were kind of standing outside talking, it had been about maybe ten o'clock at night, and we seen these dark green objects flying over the sky, in in kind of like a formation. You know, it was something that we have never seen before. And so o- over the years, just investigating all these reports and and doing my research, I, I've tried to try to really keep an open mind on everything. You know what I mean? And I've come to the conclusion that there, there has to be something else going on than what's happening on this planet. I I do believe a lot of these sightings are of military crafts, but I, I believe there's a small percentage that can't be explained and that might not be of this world or might be on this planet that we don't know about maybe you know you hear stuff about breakaway civilizations you know underground uh, races you know living under antarctica or under mountains or whatnot there's all these different theories you know so i always keep an open mind but you know it, it really caused me to to believe that yeah there's there's something out there so getting back to what's going on today You know, it's now the government's coming out, you know, and saying, yeah, we don't know what this stuff is. There's reports in mainstream newspapers saying, you know, there's stuff that the government has stuff that is not made on this earth. I mean, come on, man, that that's disclosure right there. You know, they're they're telling you that that they have stuff that's not made here. Okay, so if it's not made here, it's it's got to be made. Elsewhere, you know, in a different planet that, you you know, it can't just be made nowhere. It has to be made, you know, somewhere else at some factory or warehouse on some different planet. So I think it's really becoming interesting. And, you know, for years, they've called us UFO, you know, conspiracy theorists and tinfoil hat people. So, (laughs) you know, now it's it's all coming. Yeah, the tides are turning, man, you know. It's becoming mainstream and more people are starting to accept it. I
1: There there was a famous guy. His name was Art Bell. And Art Bell, I, I forgot where. I know he was all the way in the West. Uh, I don't know if it was Nevada or what. But he, he built about four or five radio stations uh, over time. And what he did, he started a show called Coast to Coast, which is still heard today by millions of people. I think it comes out on Wednesday nights or something at like 2 or 3 in the morning. But... The interesting part about Coast to Coast is that, and the reason I bring it up is because any mainstream UFO believer is going to probably be a member of Coast to Coast or listen to the to the radio show. Now, there is uh, my partner, David. David is a partner with me in the Agony House novelty section that I started, you know, to bring back some of the novelties of the 70s, and... Again, when I was telling you how how much the outer space theme influenced people back in the day, uh, where most of the mail order stuff in the 70s had something to do with space. Like I said, kids wanted to build their own robot, they wanted their own spaceship, and everybody wanted to have a laser gun. I mean, I did. Right. I'm just saying the majority. But I think what gives a lot of credence to the... and I mentioned, David, now in this to the um, UFO stuff like today that gives it extra power over the past is the, the sources that have come out. Now, Edgar D. Mitchell was the sixth man that walked the moon. And he was very good friends, lifelong friends with William Rauscher. R- William Rauscher is a person very close to David Harvissat. And Rauscher wrote a book entitled Edgar D. Mitchell, The Man with the Cosmic Mind. And that book, believe it or not, was published a few months ago. I think it was like November of twenty of twenty nineteen. It came out, and there was an interview in Coast to Coast in mid March, give or take, uh, with um, with Mister Rauscher, where he explained that Edgar D. Mitchell mentioned something about UFOs, so things like that. Now I I have the book. I don't really know what. The content is, I haven't read it yet. I don't know exactly what Edgar Mitchell said about UFOs. or I did read a little bit into it, but I I think that something shows that he kind of did go in the way of believing in them. Now, my take, my take as a personal, you know, as I am, I kind of like look at it more like it's either, there could be a lot of phenomena out there. I'm not saying that there's not, but there's a lot of sightings that probably there's an answer for, such as, you know, it could be the Mars, it could be Venus, and people will also create hoaxes. And what has happened with that is, here's the way I look at it, Joe. If we look at the closest star system to the Earth that might be able to be like, our not that that is closely, not really like our sun, but it's kind of in the same category as our sun, is Alpha Centauri. Now, Alpha Centauri is made up of a three star system. So, supposing there was life in Alpha, let, let's say there's a planet around one of the stars, okay, and it has life in it. It's a minimum of three and a half years going at the speed of light to get there. So, I find the UFO idea and craze to be probably more earthly like. Maybe something from Russia, the United States having secret, and and let's be honest, the United States did use the cover of UFO uh, lore to keep the public away from when they used to do experiments in Area 51, where there would oh, I, yeah
0: absolutely. Right. So you bring and, up an you bring up a real interesting point there. Now you're talking about the speed of light. You know that that's just what we that's just what we know. You know there could be you know you hear of all this. This different stuff such as anti gravity and wormholes. I mean, yeah, with the speed of light, you know, you're you're moving at a snail space when you're looking at the the distances in outer space. But, you know, if if you have these advanced civilizations that are millions of years ahead of us, I mean, they could be playing with energy that you know we can't even fathom right now. I mean, if you look at our cell phones. And you just go back to a hundred say you were able to travel back into time a hundred years and you were to give somebody our cell phone, they would be like um, they would be amazed. You'd probably be called a magician and you know, if you're in the wrong part of the country, you might be hung as a witch or something, you know, with this this technology. And you just look at how much we've advanced. You know, I, I was just thinking back the other day back in the early two thousands when I had one of those, you know, Nokia phones and I can remember playing snake on it on how it looked like an old computer from the eighties and all that. And then I look at my phone today and, you know, just in that 15, you know, 16, 18 years or so, how much our technology advanced. So if you look at that and then you go a million years, you know, into the future, what's our technology going to, you know, be like, then what type of energy are we going to, going to have then to, you know, to use, you know, can we, are, would, Using wormholes be as easy as, you know, taking the, the bus, you know, to downtown or something like that. So it's, you know, it's really interesting to think about.
1: It's, you know, you know what it is, even with black holes, they just, it was always a theory. And then finally, they they, they proved the theory of uh, what Einstein was saying about the existence of black holes. Just like when they say there's another thing in the theory of Einstein, relativity, where, for example, the blackness around the planet, right, like the earth as it spins, it kind of, and I would say the best way to describe this is when you see a, they try to show, let's say an L E L C D television uh, compared to a plasma. Well, they say if, if you look up close in a microscope, when you throw a football across, you have this black kind of uh, pixels following the football or a blanket effect. So it's kind of like where space twists as the planet turns, the blackness of space kind of does go a little bit slower than the speed of the planet, and right. that is true. That was something that was proven by. Um, I, I, in fact, I, my scientific knowledge right now is not coming out the way it should be in the explaining of that, which I'm not making it. <laughs> I guess that understandable, but I, anybody that knows a little bit would understand what I'm saying. So, well, there, there, you know, people could always look it up online. Of course, too. they can always look it up, and, and they can see what I'm talking about. But you know something though. Now I'm a guy who again. I grew up loving flying saucers and I probably have no kidding when I say this over 117 books from Roswell to the man in black because I've been a fanatic of it. Have I read all the books? Absolutely not. I I bought them because I love I, the lore of the general. Is- <laughs> you're you're
0: like me, man. I I probably got 60-70 books on UFOs and cryptids and I've I've maybe read about half of them. I, I mean, I, I plan on reading as many as I can. But you know, I I, I see a new one out and I want to buy it. I'm like, yeah, I'll get to it. And I, I put it on my stack. And
1: well, yeah, you know,
0: hopefully I'll get to them.
1: <laughs> I, I find myself, yeah. I became a member of this thing called Curiosity Stream. I think it's called, where you you pay so much a year and you are able to see like the History Vault, every possible you know documentary out there. And I find myself watching documentaries about space all the time. I'm so fascinated. Oh yeah! In fact, one thing that I looked up to more than anything else was when we passed by Pluto to see what Pluto looked like. In fact, I'm still angry that they demoted Pluto to not a planet, which I think was ridiculous, I which I still think is ridiculous. And I think there there is talk about reinstating Pluto again. I did hear that a, a few months ago, but... Having said that, though, and seeing so much what, you know, what it's there, I still have it, I have a a hard time to really kind of believing for anything that's out there, you know, for the fact that we've been, there is, you know, I'm sure you're you're aware of this even more than I am, The the computer group that search for extraterrestrial, extraterrestrial life on their computers, SETI? Was Is that, it called SETI? SETI? Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah, And I actually became a member of SETI back when it first came out. So I am one of those fanatics that don't believe 100%, but I still love it. You know what I'm saying? Well, you know what
0: I... I, I don't... You know, I, I, I kind of take it you know, you know, the same way as you. You know, I, I do believe, but there's a part of me that says, you know, a lot of this stuff originated either on Earth or in our own solar system. You know, I, I was looking at my you know, I have over 100 reports that I I investigated for MUFON. And and just giving some rough, these are just rough averages. I would say, you know, 80% of those reports that I've got were, were natural, or they were identified, meaning, you know, someone's, you know, was looking up in the sky and seeing the planet Venus in the morning and thought it was a UFO or seeing the full moon behind the cloud. I mean, there was a there was a funny story. And, you know, the very sweet lady. I talked to older lady and she said, you know, she was standing outside at her house and she seen this bright object, you know, behind the clouds and she knew it was a UFO and that it was communicating with her. And for days it was communicating with her. And, you know, I, I, I grabbed her information, her address, which way she was looking, you know, looked through some programs and, and, you know, she was looking at the full moon behind the, (laughs) the the clouds, you know, so you get a lot of, there's a lot of reports like that. You know, everybody that sends in a report thinks they've seen a UFO. So I, I am saying about 80% of it's natural or could be identified, you know, a Chinese lantern or something. And then you get about 10% that's 10, 15% that's kind of like insufficient data where you, you, where people send you, you know, bare bones information or they don't want to talk. You know, stuff like that. And then you get that five to 10 percent. That's just, you know, you don't know what it is. It is just strange.
1: You, you know what I mean? You know, Joe, it's kind of like uh, let's just give you an example how a lot of that also works. There's a famous the most famous magical trick ever done, I think, or not ever done because I don't think it's ever been seen done is called the Indian rope trick. Now, what the rope trick's right. supposed to be is uh, some type of fart, faker, they call him faker, whatever. I, I can't pronounce the name 100% right now. They they come up and they have a, a kid and, and apparently, you know, they play this pipe and a, a rope goes up into the air on its own. The kid supposedly climbs up in the air and then he disappears. The guy who is the, the magician goes up after the kid. He cuts the kid in pieces. The pieces come down, hit the earth, whatever. And then he covers the body of the kid that had been cut up in pieces, and then he's whole again. And now that magic trick, in fact, this famous magician, many famous magicians have gone to India in search of that magic trick to see if it's ever actually been performed. Well, there's a book out on that, and it actually shows how one guy who was another a uh, Barnum and Bailey type of guy, a Barnum guy that was able to create an illusion that never happened and spread the word enough that it became the most sort of after or trick worldwide. It became a legend. Let's just say one thing. And and that is a lot of times how this UFO things also happen. You have a guy. Well, let me, let me, like the- let me inter- interject here real, real quick, because
0: I, I know our, our audience, you know, that loves, ufos encrypted stuff but you know at the i'm just going to give them a teaser because at at the end of the episode when we're wrapping things up i have a a case that i'm going to to read to the audience that i studied about a cryptid that actually happened in ohio a sighting and it's it's never been on the news it's never been made public so this will be an exclusive an exclusive um citing just for our our listeners to house of the unusual podcast so make sure everyone stays to the end to the last 15 minutes because it's now you got me excited excited
1: and very creepy what's that You got me excited here waiting for the last 15 minutes i'm telling Uh,
0: you (laughs) it's 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 creepy man it's a very creepy one and, and i i've got it up on my computer now and it's it's ready to go so our last 15 minutes man i'm gonna I'm going to give the audience a special treat tonight, something that, that's never, never been heard, and they could, uh, they could take it for what it's worth. But, um, well, but you know, we, you're talking about the trick and all that. But, yeah, there, there's a lot of things that, you know, look, look like tricks, you know, to us. That could and, be.
1: Well, you know, you know what, Joe? You know. Let me tell you something. Let me really quickly say something here. There is one guy, which, of course, everybody knows uh, Friedman, Staten Friedman. He's the guy that actually bought back the, the Roswell, because the Roswell, New Mexico UFO crash had history had forgotten it. And then in the early '80s, he went and met with Jesse Marcel, which was the, um, the intelligence officer that actually went to answer the Roswell New Mexico uh, incident. And supposedly Marcel you know, told him all this, and, that. and again, the Roswell, New Mexico UFO crash was reborn. And after that, the craze of UFOs have, has grown beyond numbers. Um, more TV shows are dedicated to it. More scientific shows are dedicated to it. And then when you have like in this book, like, for example, when you have an astronaut that actually walked on the moon, an American hero, come out and say, well, I think I saw a UFO like Edgar D. Mitchell did. You know, right. Yeah. It, it gives a lot of credence to that. I got to tell you something. I think there was a VHS tape that was called UFOs are real or flying saucers are real. And Stan Friedman in there, when he finished talking, I got to admit, though, I did sit back for a second. and go, OK, maybe, you know, it's like I respect yeah. the guy because you could see the guy. Knows you know, exactly it, it, it's good to. About. Right. It's, it's good to
0: keep an open mind. And, and I don't think there's a, um, a blanket statement or anything that could cover the whole UFO field to say that, yes, it's, it's this thing. You know, if you talk to a lot of people in some groups, they say, well, aliens are nothing but demons. Some groups say aliens are nothing but artificial intelligence. You know, every group has their own thing. I I don't think a blanket statement's the way to go. I think it's, A lot of different things and and a lot of things we don't know about.
1: They they say the aliens, demons and stuff, because basically the reason is because in the Bible does mention that in the end days, you'll see strange things in the sky. But here's one thing I'm going to bring to you. This is another kind of like one of those things that happened in my life. Okay. This was funny. Um, and you know how it always happens. Like in Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, where every time Costello sees Dracula, Frankenstein, Abbott never sees them. You know? <laughs> oh, I love that movie. Yeah, yeah that, that, That's hilarious. And It also happened in that movie. I think it was Transylvania 6, uh, 5,000 where the blonde guy always got to see the monsters and, and the yeah. other guy who didn't. Well, you know, this was kind of funny. We're going to to Boston. My son is driving and his best friend are in the front seat. And instead of, go, the way I go to Boston all the time is I go up 684. I go across the Tappan Sea Bridge, take 684, and then I take 84 across. But this time, I don't know what happened. I think my son made a, a wrong turn and he took the old road, which I think is, if I'm correct, the old 684. I, I could be wrong. I I, I don't know exactly because I've only taken it twice. I know it's, it's an old road that has, you know, like two lanes in each side going and coming. And it, and it looks older. You know, you can tell that it's been around for a while. So I go to the back seat and I pass out. The moment I pass out, my son and <laughs> his best friend start making noises where they wake me up. And they're claiming to have seen what looked like a pterodactyl. Flying across the highway, and a lot yeah, there's
0: there's a lot of sightings okay. of, of the, the thunderbirds and all yeah. that, man. Yeah. This
1: is up going towards Boston, so apparently Massachusetts, you know, has a lot of it. But anyway,
0: oh, almost like the uh, what what was that that creature from the movie, the giant claw, where it looked like a. A large flying turkey, or <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I know. Oh my god, what? or buzzard or something so, that, well, that kind of creature. <laughs> he said that it looked like a
1: pterodactyl, and then at the tail, it had like a hook, like a pitchfork at the end of the tail as it was flying slowly across the highway. So, now of course, they're telling me the story, both of them. And now my son is 27 and his best friend is is 27 also. I think they're both the same age, give or take, but this was about two years ago. So. They're telling me, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure. So now they're getting angry, because I'm, I'm like, why didn't you take a picture? You both have cell phones. I said, well, everybody, the we saw it. And then he came back, and apparently in, in the news, there was something about some people seeing a pterodactyl or whatever. So, of course, I come home, and I make fun of them, and I laugh every time I bring up the topic. And they're like, you know what, Daddy? One day, you're going to get abducted by aliens, and no one's going to believe you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I... Got- now, let me let me let me put you on the spot real quick
0: Uh you know speaking of abductions if you got abducted by aliens and they brought you you know into their little room or whatever and they said you know what eddie we are an alien race we are millions and hundreds of millions of years old before we take you back to earth you get to ask us one question what would your question be
1: well, the first thing I got to tell you, I'll probably say, is this some type of joke? They would
0: say, nope, and that's your question. <laughs> yeah,
1: and, and, and you want to know what the, the funny thing is when you say what my question would be and everything is that, again, it, it's funny the way people look at me and portray me because I am a very hard person to convince in a lot of those fields. But at the same time, I am also the biggest fanatic for that field. Like, there's right. not one single thing of flying saucer that comes out that I don't seem to buy especially with robots and stuff there's nothing that I don't like to create in my stuff if you if you look at the history of all the stuff I've sold I sold how to build your own flying saucer I sold I one of my biggest ads was I told free flying saucer plans which I mentioned in in our first podcast and I also did what else I also did uh, actual UFO blueprints Uh, documented by the U.S. government. Um, I've had many ads, many, many ads that I've ran because I love. And again, the reason this ties in so well into my, into our genre, into our comic book novelty collections is the fact that there were so many ads in the comics that dealt with outer space. One famous ad that I'm sure you know of was for the 48 inch inflatable uh, alien from another world. Uh, oh, absolutely! Yeah, it, oh, and, and it's supposed to be like a, one of those doll-shaped balloons with the cardboard feet. I think there was a squeaker. That's the actual product.
0: Are those uh, even still around? Can you find those on on eBay? No, or no. Like that? Yeah,
1: it's you know what finding one of those is like finding the Casper balloon, where some guy will ask for a hundred and fifty when they do have one, which is like a three feet tall Casper balloon, same one that was used as, uh, for the seven foot monster go, same exact one. But well, you know,
0: when you get abducted, you could ask the aliens if they, if they could find you one of those, uh, <laughs> those, those giant well, alien uh, balloons. Well, <laughs> I'll t-
1: I'll tell you what those alien balloons. Somebody in a convention I was in a while back actually bought one of them, and he paid for one balloon seventy eight dollars, which I thought was hilarious. Um, now, how many was it? Was there several balloons that well, came
0: with it, or there,
1: how was it set up? There was two. There, there was an ad, just like they did the seven gigantic dinosaurs for uh, 298 which were seven balloons with dinosaurs imprinted on it. And it, I mean, if you look at the actual thing, you can see inside Mail Order Mysteries where I display my collection of that. There was also oh, man, an alien could you... set. There were like seven aliens for 298 and, um, could you imagine? Could you imagine being a little kid and
0: saying, "Man, I'm going to get these dinosaurs and I'm going to have cool little adventures," and then you get some balloons with, well, you know, some markers on. Well, it. <laughs>
1: I, I got to tell you, forget about a little kid. When my oldest daughter was born, and I was married, this is probably 1980, uh She was born in '86, so this is like 1989, 1990. They started running the ad for seven gigantic dinosaurs for 298 again, and this was in the midst of all the coming back again from mail order, not mail, I mean, all the mail order uh, stuff that was going on with wrestling magazine, wrestling being so popular at the time, the ad was there and I fell for it. I actually thought, (laughs) okay, this is the funniest thing. I went to a uh, store in the mall. It was called the Starlog Superstore that they had in North Jersey. And I went to this and believe it or not, Starlock's still in New York city. They still have that store on 14th street. I think they have two locations. And it's been there for like, I don't know, 60 years. Well, anyway, I saw in a couple of different stores in the mall. One of them, I think, was um, Sharper Image and stuff. They had this two feet tall inflatable dinosaurs that went for like $10 each. So when I saw the ad, <laughs> I, I sent away for it, you know. And when I got it, I said, holy cow, these people just ripped me off, man. <laughs> the difference, is, you know, I'm an adult now, and I fell for it. You know, I didn't realize that the ad was as old as as, as me. And um, All right. the the seven said that the same aliens that were a seven set that had the, you know, the inflatable aliens seven aliens for whatever two ninety eight. That's one of the aliens that the guy paid the seventy eight dollars for was for one of those balloons. Now, I do have one or two of those balloons. I don't have the entire set, but I do have one or two now. There was another one standalone ad that had a 48 inch monster from another world. I think it says, or I have, to, I don't remember how exactly that. But it shows a monster, and he kind of has the moon monster face a little bit. If you look at the ad for the moon monster, you'll see that. And if you Google it right now, the 48 inch uh, moon mon- i mean, 48 inch uh, uh, monster from another world, whatever—you'll see the ad on the internet. That one I do have. That particular one I got it. um, Gosh, I wish I knew what the heck it was so I can show it. It's in one of. It's like my son says when you go to my place, you get lost. It's like going to the twilight zones. You never come out, you know. And um, he tells me also every time I put something away, it disappears. And I can tell you, man, (laughs) right now I have a prototype of something that I don't want to say exactly what it is, but it kind of pertains to what we're talking about that I want to introduce. And I can't find it, man. I had it six months ago and I put it where I could find it. And I, I don't know. I spent what, almost two weeks looking for the darn thing. Can't find it.
0: You must have a little black hole or something in your collection where stuff gets sucked. in And then it never comes it. out again. It's, it's an alternate universe. Yeah. <laughs> hey,
1: listen, When I was growing up, when I bought the first robot plants, the ones from the Abracadabra Magic Shop, I had them. And boy, did I love that little envelope, the artwork and everything. Well, I thought I had lost it. Time went by, disappeared. One day, I don't know, 20 years ago, I'm looking at some book I had. And lo and behold, out of the book falls the envelope, man. And this is the one that's pictured also in in Mail Order Mysteries. Um, which is, this is funny that I say that mail order mysteries, I think is out of print. If you go to Amazon right now, the cheapest one is like 52 bucks. And I'm like, what? So, I I mean, yeah, it was kind of like, you gotta be kidding me that they sold again, but, or they sold out again. But the the thing is though, that, that envelope that you see in there for the robot plants, those are my original ones that I bought in the seventies when I was young. Um, again, the seventies had a, a very big influence in my life growing up with space movies, growing up, that today, I got to be honest with you, I love the UFO lore. In fact, I think that I was looking at the other day, I have the Time Life books from UFO. And, and, you know, if you know what I'm talking about, there was a few years ago, Time Life had this like 12 uh, volume set of, you know, all the different UFOs and thing, And I have every single book. I have uh, a special edition. You, you probably don't even know it exists. That, no,
0: I've never heard no, of but that. They, no, there's no. also
1: a special edition, not Time Life book, but I have a special edition, Roswell, New Mexico, that it has a VHS tape inside the book and a set. And it also has duplications of the original, like newspaper and stuff like that. Now here's a catch. I try to look for that original newspaper. It doesn't exist, man. And if there's a copy of oh, the original newspaper, go for a million bucks. And I'm telling you, I spent almost eight months looking for that. And I recently, I did this recently because I had this recent interest in flying saucers, which I still love the name flying saucers over UFO because it, it kind of reminds me of the Jupiter, you know, the Jupiter 10, uh, the Jupiter. Um, now, look at this. I forgot the <laughs> Lost in Space, the Jupiter... You know the Jupiter, the the the. Oh my gosh! What I, I know. What I just forget. About, I can't believe can't a big collector like me, it, yeah. and I have a mental block on the Jupiter. The our our our, our audience. They there, know what we're talking about because hey, is, this is they
0: can look it up. This yeah. is what's good
1: about our podcast: It's transparent and it's a, two people talking in a bar. You know what I'm saying? Or we'll have it, some yeah. friends. There's nothing that we're here trying to study before we do or you know we just pick a subject and we randomly do it and that's what it brings it comes natural to us in our conversation and yeah. that's
0: what that that's what I, you know i feel like you know our 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 podcast audience out there is you know part of our family they're they're kind of here with us right now just sitting here you know listening to the conversation and you know they're and- they're either agreeing with it or disagreeing with it and they could have their own conversations and it's just a bunch of people just sitting around talking about stuff they enjoy yeah, and and, yeah. and I'm going
1: to say one thing right now that if somebody joined uh, it's supposed to automatically be done but if anybody joined our forum in the uh, houseoftheunusual.com and or the blog and maybe they didn't get welcome cuz maybe me or Joe accidentally missed it um we welcome you, man. <laughs> we welcome you and we thank yeah, you for being part welcome. of that because our our the ultimate goal of House of the Unusual is not just for you guys to connect with us, it's for you guys to connect with each other. To grow a family. Right. It's not about selling products, it's about going there to grow as a family of you know, mind liked uh same mind liked individuals that like the same thing, uh that enjoy the same stuff and and that's what makes it fun. And then you can also interact with other people of the same idea, you know. Um, I get
0: right. And if you want a and, and if you're out there and you want just a strictly classic horror or sci-fi, you know, movies, TV shows, toys, whatever, jump on Facebook and you know head over to, to Crypt of Classics, you know, our Facebook group. And there's some cool people on there to chat with too. So there's there's two good. You know, forum sites that you could network with people and talk about the same right. interests, man. Because that's what it's all about. And we don't, you know, n- nobody gets shamed for their interests. We're all the same family, there, man. And so it, it's just it's a fun, fun well, time, man. But hey, we're we're getting on the the forty five
1: minute mark. Yeah, so. I'm. We're I'm getting there. So I'm gonna. I'm, I'm dying for that. But I'm gonna put one last thing about crypto classics here. I got in it the other night, and guess what I watched? I watched the movie that I have 10 copies of, The House on Haunted Hill with Vincent Price. Man. Oh, I love that movie. Vincent Price has got to have the perfect mugshot for the man of mystery. Looks like a magician. Looks like a hypnotist. Looks like a man who creates a monster. I love this guy's facial features. Uh, And it's funny, growing up, I didn't see that until I was older and became a collector. That I said, man, this guy's a hell of an actor, and I love the girl that he has the place there with, uh, with him as, um, as that. In fact, if, if you look at the earlier film, which is my other favorite, The Bat, uh, Agnes Moorhead, which is the one that played the the mother in of, of uh, Elizabeth Taylor, you know not Elizabeth Taylor, listen to that, Elizabeth Montgomery from Bewitch, she's the one that acted in the original uh-huh. The Bat, and she's very young there, which is kind of funny because. I didn't really find her that attractive in Bewitched, you know, <laughs> but she was when she was younger. <laughs> um, but I'm going to tell you something, though, honestly, the the movie, The House on Haunted Hill. Uh, I'll say a quick thing right now, because we're almost getting there is uh, about a year or two ago. Some guy that appeared, I forget some artist. he appeared in um, the sci-fi channel. He did. I think it was only there for a couple of seconds. But this guy, man, he amassed a, a following of like two hundred eighty seven thousand people on Twitter. Right. Not Twitter on Instagram, and he came out with a special edition that he drew of 400 posters of The House on Haunted Hill, where he's got Vincent Price sitting in, in a rocker. There's a skeleton behind him, and he's the skeleton is kind of holding a rope. This a woman is hanging above, and it's in black and white in color. And when I saw that, I'm like, damn! I got to, I got to get that. I really have to get that. I, I want that poster, man. And it was 22 by 24, the original whatever, signed by the artist. So here I am waiting in front of uh, of the Twitter. He sent out a Twitter saying it's going to go on sale Wednesday, whatever. Man, I waited. I was so happy to, anxious to get it. And there I am in front of the computer. It's like, okay, it's Wednesday, 1 o'clock. What, what the heck is it? And I'm clicking, and it's telling me not available. I'm like, what? Then some guy tweets, oh, my God, it's sold out in five minutes. Man, was I angry. Boy, was I angry. I couldn't get it. It's sold out. That's how bad people love old films. And Crypt of Classics. Oh, Crypt of Classics is the place to go when you like that because I watched it off one of the links that somebody linked in that in, in, in Crypt of Classic had the entire House on Haunted Hill. I'm at work, 2 o'clock in the morning. Guess what? I watched it. And it's, 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 it's an awesome, awesome film. Awesome. It's an awesome film. And that's what I'm saying about people that if you like old films, you like stuff like that, Crypt of Classics is definitely the fan book page to belong to. And if you want to talk about it, then you go to House of the Unusual and join the forum and discuss it. And Very,
0: yeah, two good exactly. places to, to go, man. So, so there's so no now, excuse out there. Now we're
1: running <laughs> into that fifty minute. In fact, we cut you by three minutes. You got 12 minutes. Go ahead. No, now I'm okay. anxious to hear what you got to say, Joe. You got to blow me away here, Joe. All right, so every, everybody out
0: there, you know, if if you need to press pause and and catch your breath, grab a cup of coffee or you know warm up under a blanket, you know, for some some warmth and security. Now's the time to do it now because what I'm going to do is I have I have the case up here on my computer, and I I, I always on my cases I, I make a summary of what happened from when I talked to the witness. Now I, I don't know if this this case is true or not. You know, it, it's up for the audience to decide if they wanna want to believe it or not. But I'm I'm gonna give them the information and they could you know they could come to their own conclusions Joe, or they could do their own own research Joe, on it.
1: You got me hot on the seat here. Tell me the story, Joe.
0: All right, so this sighting took place on January 3rd, 2018 at 6.03 p.m. Now, I'm going to read it uh, verbatim here on how I sent it in, how I developed the uh, the, the summary. All right. Field investigator Joe Pavlansky spoke to the witness on January 15th, 2018 in regards to the sighting of January 3rd, 2018. The witness stated that while at the Raceway Motel in Toledo, Ohio, a human-like entity was observed on the south end of the building. The witness further stated that it was dark outside and that he could see what looked like someone kneeling down and looking at the ground. The witness then yelled, hey, what are you doing? At the being, thinking it was a person. The being then stood up, looked at him, and expanded its wings. The being appeared to be approximately six foot three inches, very muscular, no hair, dark green skin, no clothes, an elongated face, two arms, two legs, and genitals that hung down to its knee or a tail that hung down to its knee. After looking at the witness for a second, the being opened its mouth extremely big and made a loud squawking sound like an eagle, flapped its wings, and flew straight up. At this time, the witness observed a second being approximately 100 feet in the air with the same characteristics flying directly above the lower being. The two then flew north out of sight. When the being on the ground flapped its wings to fly, the witness observed a feather fall to the ground. After the two were out of sight, The witness walked over to where it was and looked on the ground. The only thing he could see was a human-like footprint in the snow. The witness also retrieved the feather that fell to the ground, to which he advised he would mail to Field Investigator Pavlansky. Now, Field Investigator Pavlansky conducted up a follow-up interview on January 26, 2018 at 4 p.m. in regards to the feather retrieved by the witness as evidence. The witness advised that he had tried to call me, but had accidentally erased my cell phone number. The witness stated that two days after our interview, which would have been January 17, 2018, at approximately 1 p.m., two men came to his hotel room and knocked on the door. The witness stated that one was a white male wearing a Navy uniform, and the other was a white male wearing a black suit, no hat. The Navy lieutenant told the witness that he understands that the witness saw a being and showed him a photo and that the witness had a feather from the being. The witness stated that he thought the men were from MUFON and handed the feather over to them. The witness then asked what the being was, and the lieutenant said, quote, we'll worry about that, unquote. The two then left in a dark brown Ford Taurus. Wow. And that is so, what was sent to so me. So the next
1: podcast would be the case of the missing feather.
0: I, I'm telling you, man, that one—I—I I got goosebumps right now just reading that. I mean, it, it has—I mean, everyone out there could, you know, they—they they could believe that. When I talked to this guy, it was—you know—he—he he said he was free of drugs, free of alcohol, you know, no mental illnesses, that he was, you know, in sound mind, and he—he he sounded very. Sincere about it, you know. It kind of sounds like he he seen something along the lines of a of mothman type being, well, or or could this have been something, well, you know, that came from another dimension? And, and I, I, what really what really scared me, and and not really scared me, but kind of worried me, was, you know, how did these two military or government personnel know that this guy had a feather? Were they, you know, did they have my my um, cell phone, you know, tapped because I was with MUFON at the time and investigating a, these, you know, cases. So that when I I made calls, they could listen up and and see, you know, get the information that I'm receiving. Well, you know, it, it
1: really kind you, of there, creepy. There's two things you reminded me of, three things actually that resemble something what you're talking about. One is the Mothman. The other one is Jeepers Creeper, the film. And the third one is mm-hmm. the film called the, um, oh, wow. Today, my brain is really out of space, you know. <laughs>
0: you know, the Gargoyles.
1: Remember the 1970s the, with, with the oh, guy yeah, from yeah. Uh, Starsky and Hutch? That is what the three right. things you described right now that brought to my mind, which, again, you know, you got to see the whole thing but it's an interesting story Joe and and now here's the question is it over or do you have to go back to complete it
0: you know what i i, I closed the case there was nothing you know nothing more from the guy and i always told him you know if anything else happened to, to you know he has my phone number my my email address to to get in contact with me which he never did um i did some follow up you know online in that area to see if anybody else witnessed anything like that. And there was nothing that I was able to find. I, I, I did for about the, uh, you know, a year after that, I would sporadically look, you know, a few times a month, nothing else was ever seen. Um, so it, it's very strange. You know, you hear a lot about, you know, the government playing in, you know, alternate dimensions and, you know, parallel universes and all that. So could this have been something that, you know, escaped, well, and the military was tracking it, or could this been the Mothman? Or, you know, could this guy have been hallucinating the whole thing, you know, and just found a, a bird yeah, well, feather on the ground? The I, thing I is you, that, know, you know where the killer is, Joe?
1: When you told me I got all excited like, Wow, man, Joe's got the feather. Okay? You just killed me, man. You destroyed my whole excitement when you told me that, I tell um, you what,
0: I was every every day after that I was waiting at the mailbox for an envelope with this feather. I I was, I I just, I said, man, I said, I got to see what this, this thing, you know, looks like. And when I got a hold of him, you know, and he told me that and and the guy sounded very sincere with it. and, And I questioned him over and over. I tried to, you know, during this whole process, I tried to trip him up. I tried to, you know, catch him lying or catch him telling me different details. And I couldn't. He kept telling me the same thing. He was sincere about it. He, he didn't seem to me that he was lying. Well, and they, they, you know, I always wondered how would how these they had to have been listening on my phone. It had well, to have showed up at some homeland security well, thing. You Joe, remember you know they sent it to the military.
1: <laughs> being in law enforcement would know that, and you would be able to tell when a person because I'm sure you interview a lot of different people. Um, yeah, I, I did not get any
0: any type of feeling that this guy was lying. And like I said, I did everything I could to, to trip him up, to, to catch him in a lie, to catch him, giving me different details. And, you know, even when I, even when I called him on the 26th, you know, a week or so later, and I asked him about, you know, I asked him again about the details from the original sighting and he gave me that the, the same
1: thing. Nothing there was different. Nothing, about it. Well, you know, you know what, Joe? Different. We're only down yeah. to a, a minute and a half left. Uh We need to close the show now. But I'm going to tell you, I I think that we should look more into this, and we need to discuss a little bit more about this in in coming shows. Yeah, because- absolutely.
0: I, I mean, I, I've I've got goosebumps now. <laughs> I, I hope everybody else out there got goosebumps too and, and enjoyed it, man, because it's. Like I said, they don't have to believe it, but I'm just I'm presenting the information and they could do with it what what they right. will, you know, and it's it's a cool that's, conversation that's like, about it. You know, we could talk about, like you about said, it.
1: I mean, like, like you said, like I said, here's a guy who really is a hard, mm, hardcore to make a believer of, But you know what, though? I love the thing, you know. I love the the adventure. I love absolutely everything from Bigfoot to. In fact, when I had my magic shop, I'll say real quick because we're a minute away. I tried. I think I mentioned this in the first podcast. I tried to create my own Bigfoot expedition <laughs> in 1989 with my magic shop. But I actually wanted to get people and, and go on a on a Bigfoot thing hunt, you know. Oh, that I, I thought would be it was awesome. fantastic, but I tell you what, the lack of money and lack of, uh, of cre- not credibility, of course, I'm saying, of people that would be credible to do this, I didn't have at the time, you know? Right. And so it, it went through the wayside, but you know what? It's I love that. I love that stuff, man. It's so cool. Yeah. I mean, I still have probably every flying saucer plans I ever could ever buy from the 70s. I have about four or five actual plans to show you how to build a flying saucer. And and I bought them from Popular awesome. Mechanics, Popular Science. Um, I became friends one time with the, this guy who, the, the company I think is still in business called Information Unlimited. And Amazing One, I think is the name of the company. And the guy did all the lasers and, and stuff like that and plants. And they're still online. You can find them under Amazing One. Cool. And Well, let me let me ask everybody out there that, you know, because yeah, we're we gonna seconds up you know, here, is that, you
0: know listen listen to the podcast and then head over to the house of the unusual form and and give us your take on you know the ufos and what we talked about in this you know the about the case that i i presented to you and give us your you know opinion on it or if you have any information and let let's discuss Okay it having there. said
1: that Joe we got 20 seconds i want to say it's been another beautiful wonderful week speaking with you and again our show comes out every wednesday at 3 p.m. every week the new shows come out Uh, Please tune in through Spotify, iTunes, whatever you use. Our podcast is on. So, Joe, good night, then.
0: All right, Eddie, good night.